0: Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge.
1: They are who we thought they were.
0: On Yahoo Sports Radio.
1: Well, our first guest was one of the first players to give the World Football League credibility back in 1974. Calvin Hill was a former first-round draft pick and NFL Rookie of the Year, a four-time Pro Bowl running back, a two-time All-Pro and a Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys. But in 1974, he left a starting spot in the Dallas backfield to sign with the Hawaiians of the fledgling World Football League. Unfortunately, his WFL career was short. He played only three games in 1975 before suffering a season-ending knee injury, then returned to the NFL with the Washington Redskins in 1976 after the WFL folded. Calvin Hill? Thanks for joining us.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time, that if, if we'd had as many people as Jerry had out in Oxnard, that would be a chief over in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> Calvin, why would a player leave the security of an NFL paycheck for a startup team and a startup league, even if the team was based in Hawaii? Well, you know, actually, you know, I was able to, I tell people I only played three games, but I I actually made more in terms of, you know, money in that one season with the WFL than I made in 12 years with the NFL. Uh, And so, you know, from a security standpoint, uh, they offered me a lot more financial security. You know, I tell people that when I went over and, and met with the people from the World League and then going to Hawaii... I was actually hoping to get some, you know, something started in Dallas. I was up; my contract was up, and in, in 70, after the '73 season, and um, they kept stalling. And I had had previously two, you know, pretty bitter contract episodes with Tech Shram And so, you know, I was just looking to try to get something going. And when I got there, you know, I was just shocked at what they offered. And you know, really without getting into the details, I, I was in Hawaii, couldn't believe, you know, what I was being offered, you know, a three-year contract and was all guaranteed. And, you know, I came back to my room and showed, the ch- showed a check to my wife and she looked at me and said, what is this? I said, well, it's a signing bonus. And she said, you know, are you kidding? And she said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to look at it and see if it's real. <laughs> and, uh, after about ten minutes, in a, you know, in, in the bathroom, just looking at looking at this this cashier's check, I called Roger and uh, you know told him what had happened. He said, "Well, you ought to come back and, and counter, you know, tell the Cowboys and let the Cowboys give them give Tex a chance to counter." And when I got off the phone, I looked at my wife and she, he said, "What did he say?" I said, and I told her, and she smashed the check out of my hand and she said, "Listen," she said, "You know, you know Tex." And you know exactly what's going to happen. And she was right. And uh, so, you know, I ended up signing. But, you know, essentially, I had, had no intention of going anyplace except just to get a counter to get the Cowboys, you know, moving. But I think the reason I signed, it wasn't necessarily about the money. After my rookie year and then after my first contract was over, after my third year, I thought I was treated pretty shabbily by Tex. You know, I went from a guy who probably would have played for nothing. I mean, I was just so excited to be in the National Football League to being, you know, somewhat, I got a dash of cold water after my rookie year in terms of, you know, what, what can happen. So, you know, I, I probably emotionally was ready to, to leave and go someplace else, but I, didn't, I never thought it would happen the way it did. You signed of course, that was a futures contract, as I recall, in 74, so... Uh, for the 75 season, so you had to go back to Dallas and play in 1974 with the Cowboys, if I recall, uh, before changing leagues. How difficult was that sort of lame duck season, and how did your teammates look at you? It was difficult, and I got sued. You know, the Cowboys sued me. <laughs> uh, they sued me and Craig Morton, and, you know, we had, we had a whole bunch of guys, Rayfield and Jethro and, and Pat Toomey and Craig Morton. I think Dee Dee Lewis signed. There were a bunch of guys who signed, but they sued Craig and, and and me, and 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 that was really frightening. I had never been in a in a courtroom, and I get a knock on the door one one morning about one o'clock, and I open the door, and the guy says, "Are you Calvin Hill?" And I said, "Yeah." He says, "Well, you've been served," and uh, you know, so I, I got a a glimpse of what it feels like to be sued, and uh, you know, that played out. But as far as the football. I don't think you know. I don't think any of the players. Uh, I mean, some of them may may have been upset about it, but you know, I mean, I, I think the thing that made it tough that particular year was, you know, it was also a strike year. Uh, that was the first year that we, you know, no no freedom, no football. I still sure. have one of the t-shirts.
1: Fifty five percent of the gross. Sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I was the player rep, so I offered <laughs> to resign, and nobody seemed to want to take the post. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I had to, um, you know, I had to do that. And that, that was very difficult because, you know, back then it wasn't like it is now where this automatic checkoff. You know, some guy, it was, a, a that, Texas is a right to work state and there were lots of guys who didn't want to pay their dues. And then, you know, I'm trying to convince them to strike and et cetera and trying to stay in shape and, you know, but that was probably the most difficult thing of that year. You know, the football stuff, you know, once you got on the football field, that was like a relief from all the other
1: stuff. We're with former Yale and NFL star Calvin Hill. And Calvin, speaking of difficult, you remember the WFL had a rough go of it in its inaugural season. I think two of the 12 original teams folded, and the league champion Birmingham Americans had their uniforms and equipment seized by the government after the title game, I think it was to pay off debts anyway. Did you have any second thoughts about signing with the Hawaiians at that point?
0: Well, you know, I signed the future contract, and, and and the way my contract was structured, it was guaranteed not by the league or by the team. It was I have what's called an irrevocable letter of credit. And that's, you know, I mean, I found out that that's an instrument typically used in international trade. And the only condition I had on, uh, you know, as far as the letter of credit w- was concerned, was I had to make a demand for my money. And there was no other condition built into that, that letter of credit. So I didn't have to play. You know, it was, it was designed that way so that if I went there and decided not to play, uh, it would be incumbent upon the team to sue me for the money. And uh, it, it, was, it was very interesting. The league folded that first year. And th- the second year, it was reconstituted as the, as the New League Inc. And they bought all the assets and none of the liabilities of the the old World Football League. And, you know, my only concern was, as they reconstituted themselves, you know, that they tried to, you know, make me go to, you know, a smaller market. And, uh, you know, I was very concerned that they might do that, or that Hawaii might, you know, might drop out. I was actually at the press conference at the Waldorf Astoria the next year when they announced the new league, Chris Hemeter took over. He became the commissioner. And I was actually in the meeting with uh, John Gilliam and uh, Ted Qualick, who were, you know, were also signed to go to Hawaii. And when Hemeter informed them that they were, you know, that I think Qualick was going to go to Philadelphia and John Gilliam was going to go to Chicago. And, you know, they were not too happy about that. But I was happy to be going to Hawaii. I was looking forward to to the opportunity to, to live in Hawaii. As I look back on it, I'm I'm thankful uh, that I had an opportunity to to live there for a year and a half. And it really, you know, from an educational standpoint and in terms of a lot of things that have happened since, it it was an eye-opener and and a wonderful place to to spend a year and a half. So I had no regrets. You you played only three games, uh, but that third game was against one of the elite teams, the Southern California Sun, uh, as I recall. And I was just wondering, you know, how competitive was the league in your mind just in terms of football? I thought it was pretty good. I mean, you know, it was not the National Football League, but you know, you had quite a few players, you know, who who were 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 really good players. And uh, I mean, I I thought it was a pretty competitive league. I mean, you know, we didn't we didn't necessarily get a lot of fans, but you know, the football itself was pretty good. Now, you know, it was a it, it certainly was a difference in terms of you know, I mean, we we typically dressed in the hotel and and walked to practice. With our uniforms on, uh and we flew commercial they weren't charters, but then you know we also practiced at a place where it was right next to a beach, so as soon as practice was over you you took your stuff off and and, and ran in and body surfed so it <laughs> you know, there, there was given give and take but it was competitive i mean it was very very competitive and uh you know, we ended up, uh, I think, from that Hawaiian team, you know, Lem Burnham, who ultimately went to Philadelphia, became a vice president of the National Football League. We probably had five or six guys from that team who went on and played in the National Football League. But it was competitive. And, you know, it, it was... The thing that was exciting is, you know, some of the relationships I form with, with some of those team members, you know, are as close as any relationships I've ever had in, in team sports.
1: Calvin... I've got a question for you. We've got about a minute and a half left, but your son Grant is in the College Basketball Hall of Fame, and I'm wondering, did you encourage him to go basketball instead of football, or was that his choice?
0: Well, that was that was his choice. You know, he wanted to play, and I took him to a Pop Warner uh, when he was 8 or 9, and and I didn't like the coach. The coach, you know, I think he thought he was the reincarnation of, of Bill Parcells or Vince Lombardi or something. <laughs> and I just said, you know, I'm not going to have my kid, you know, coached by this guy. And I told Grant, I didn't start playing organized football until I was in the ninth grade. And, you know, I thought that he, I told him, I said, when you're in the ninth grade, you have my permission if you want to try out. An interesting story. He and I were playing tennis at the local high school, he was going into his eighth grade year. And by this time, he played, he played in the AAU program. And so we're playing tennis, and the local high school is coming out for their first practice. It's in August, and it's hot. And, uh, you know, we're outdoors playing tennis. And I look at the team coming out, and I say, well, Grant, that'll be you next year, you know, trying out for the freshman team or the JV or the varsity. And he looked at me, and he said, Dad, he said, you think I want to have all that equipment on in this kind of weather, on that hard field? And then he pointed towards the gym. He said, "Next year, I'm going to be in that air conditioned building playing basketball." <laughs> and when I when I, when we went back home, I told my wife, I told her that I said, "You know, Grant, that was my first inkling that he might go to college because he was certainly smarter than his old man." <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: he made a pretty but, good know, choice.
0: I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I didn't I didn't keep him from playing. I didn't want him to. Uh, I wanted him, to, you know, to do what he wanted to do, but I, I also was not anxious to to turn him over. You know, I mean, it, it was fascinating that some of the kids, you know, eight and nine year old kids, were crying, and he was berating them. And I just said, "The heck with that!" You know, this guy's not going to have you know anything to do with my kid.
1: Hey, Calvin. Thanks for stopping by and thank you for reliving the World Football League. And next time you're on, we're going to ask you about that 29-29 tie with Harvard. Oh, wait a minute. That was a Crimson victory, right?
0: Well, yeah, it, you know, Harvard wins 29-29. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> Greatest headline ever. <laughs> That's right. They they they, you know, they took they took addition. We took calculus at Yale. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ouch. <laughs> hey, thanks Calvin.
0: Okay, you guys take care. Thank you very much.
1: Take care. Bye bye That was former NFL, WFL, and Yale star Calvin Hill. When we return, we'll talk about what made the WFL so compelling. This is the Talk of Fame Network.